Hi, this is Michael. And this is Jill. And welcome to Townhouse of Terror. What's up, Michael? Oh, you know, podcasting. Yeah? Drinking a drink? What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a drink. Um, It's called The White Zombie. Mm. And it is a take on the traditional zombie. But I'm not sure I like it very much. Oh. It's not bad, but You're right. still going to drink it? I'm going to drink it because it's a drink. <laughs> it's not gross, but it's not my fave. What's new with you? Mm, well, I had a COVID test today. Congratulations. <laughs> I had two, actually. Was I it had... was it positive in a good way? It, it was a positive experience and a negative result. So that's really good. Well, so far for my rapid test, I did both, which means I had the small one that's in the early stage of your nasal passage and then the really long one. You got your brain tickled? I did. And actually, I I said to the nurse, I was like, I feel like I'm being tickled right now. And my eyes started watering and it really wasn't that bad. It's not it, that bad. It was not as scary. It's not that bad. No, it wasn't. So... Yeah, so I did that, and uh, that's Hey, you're doing it. your part to keep us all safe. I Get am. tested if you're able to. If I, you feel sick, get tested. I, yeah, get get tested if you can. I was just nervous. I had a few symptoms, but I think they were allergies, <laughs> but whatever. Well, here we are. We're This is the sixth episode, give or take a bonus episode or two, trailer, intro, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of get, I guess we're kind of halfway now. Yeah. As I always say, if you are joining us for the first time, we're watching 31 horror movies in the month of October and then discussing them. So if you don't want to have any of these movies spoiled, then don't listen to this episode. That's right. Go back and watch them first. And we're just kind of chatting about our opinions on them. We're not getting too deep into... Anything else besides what we find interesting and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Right, so. because if you listen to the first one, you know that Michael has watched a gazillion horror films, and I'm a scaredy cat, so some of these, a lot of these, I'm seeing for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, I say let's jump into it. Let's do it. You ready? Yes. Here we go. Three, two, one. What did you do? <laughs> I was trying to harmonize with your... Uh, <laughs> did not harmonize. Okay. <laughs> do it again. Three, two, one. Hellraiser, 
Hellraiser is directed and written by Clive Barker. Two men sit at a cafe in Morocco. A puzzle box is on the table. Money is exchanged. We cut to a dark room where Frank Cotton plays the most dangerous game of Rubik's Cube that anyone has ever played. Soon, he's joined by a group of Cinnabons, I mean Cinnabites, and hell is raised. Jill, I know you haven't seen this movie until now. Did you have any preconceived ideas what this movie was about? And was it anything like this? Well, the name alone made me think it would be scary. Yes. And I remember as a kid seeing the poster mm-hmm. um, and definitely was not allowed to see it right. in the 80s. Um, and I just thought it looked like it was going to be scary. Okay. And based on what you have seen now, tell me some of your thoughts. It was scary, but I wasn't afraid, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Sure. Like, it was pretty uh, ridiculous now, <laughs> looking at it as a grown adult, but um, some of the stuff was kind of gruesome and yeah. creepy. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, let me tell you my thoughts on this movie real quick. Okay. Well, I guess I'm, that's what this podcast is about anyways. <laughs> let me tell you my specific opinion on this movie. This is one of my favorite horror movies from the 80s. Really? Yeah. I love it so much. Tell me why. I love this movie because it feels like Indiana Jones meets a sleazy romance novel. I don't know. It's just a weird mix of all these things that I kind of think work in this sto- this movie. So... Do you know who Clive Barker is? Have you heard of him? I know the name, and I don't know why I know the name. Well, he he directed and wrote this movie. He's also an author, and a uh, he directed plays. He wrote plays. This is his first movie that he wrote and directed, but I just like his perspective. This movie just felt so weird and different to me, and I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just attracted to different kind of stories when it comes to horror. I felt like this was very... You know, if you told this story without the horror element and more of like a thriller mystery of a woman who's killing Mm -hmm. men, you know, there's that element to it. Yeah. There's this weird guy in the attic element to it. (laughs) There's these S&M characters from hell element to it. There's the thing. I like the the box, the puzzle box, like made it feel like a Indiana Jones relic kind of thing. There's all these really cool elements to it, these really cool pieces to it that at the same time, I saw this movie for the first time like three years ago. Really? That Yeah. So because this movie has nine sequels to it. Or at least, or eight sequels to it. What? Yes. And so I grew up <laughs> knowing who Pinhead was, who is, do you, did you know that name? No. But you know who I'm talking about when I say Pinhead? I think so. The guy with all the pins in his head? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Wait, there was a guy with pins in his Well, all the nails head? in his head. The main, the oh, main Cinnabite guy. Oh, guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So, and he, you know, he was on the posters for this movie, and he's like a main character in the yeah. sequels. I haven't seen any of the sequels. I'm not really interested. So, and he's hardly in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I came to this movie thinking, 
it's a movie about this guy Pinhead. Yeah. He's doing all this, and I'm That's you get this like crazy, like little small romance kind of story. Mm-hmm. You know, of just this infidelity with this guy's brother. Right. But then turns into this guy in the basement who, or in the in the attic is beckoning this his lover to kill for him. You know, it's just weird. I love yeah, it. It's it w- super cool. It's I love it. I get why people might not like it. Roger Ebert gave it half a star. Oh. And then Stephen King called it the future of horror. So huh. even from the first, from the get-go, it was dividing audiences. Yeah. I mean, the way you described it and all the different types of genres that it covers is so true. Because there were moments where I was like, where is this going? Mm-hmm. You know, with the just the romance aspect, like because that was a decent portion of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely weird. It was interesting. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I don't feel like I wasted time watching it. No, <laughs> I wasn't um, expecting you to like it as much as I did. Yeah, there was I mean, there's a sci fi aspect to it, too. Yep. And. You being a sci-fi lover, this definitely... Mm, I like specific sci-fi. Okay, but you watch Star Trek a lot. (laughs) So, I don't know. I don't know a lot about sci-fi, but that makes me think you you love sci-fi. Oh, I do. (laughs) Anyway, mix that with horror, and it's like the perfect thing for you. I thought the... The special effects, or the I guess, are practical effects. Some were great, and some were not so great. You know, there were several scenes, pr- pretty graphic, pretty gruesome. Sometimes, because it didn't look super real, was like, okay, this is not super gross. Mm-hmm. But the whole um, rebirth of Frank, mm-hmm. I thought, was really good. And then his kind of step by step regeneration. Yeah. I thought that looked really cool. It did. I did enjoy the element of this thing living in the attic that has to be fed and has to be kept a secret. That part of it, with it being kept as a secret, is a major... You don't even need, like, the the gruesome part. Like, that's just creepy. Right. That somebody was living in the house before they got there, mm-hmm. and then... Just he was a creep himself, like just a total oh horrible person. He was awful. And I mean, every everybody in this movie sucks. Yeah, I guess the daughter is fine. Yeah, the daughter's fine. The the husband is a wiener. I remember just saying that to you. I was like, (laughs) this guy is just obnoxious, and the wife is wicked. Wicked. She's just. Awful. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to figure out what their relation, how they ever got together because right. the two of them together have zero chemistry. And it's like, you should have just married the brother or gone off with him. <laughs> well, another reason why I like this is because it feels like a short story because that's mm. what it was. It was written as a short novella. Oh. Okay. And it kind of just feels that way. And there's this weird perspective that we have now because it's this franchise of movies, mm. but the first movie doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't feel right. like this big epic kind of, you know, we're going to have eight sequels. It's this weird, tiny little story that I haven't read and I kind of do want to read it because mm-hmm. I think it works. I almost, the movie itself didn't feel too long. 
it did feel like this is a short story that they turned into a film, so. Yeah, and I feel like all, all of the scenes seamlessly went together. Right. Which made yeah. it feel quick. I think this movie's ballsy. Like, I that's what mm. I kept thinking about. I was like, yeah. this is his first movie. It's gory. It's, I don't think this was something that people had seen much like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess people have taken things from this now, but there's this weird, like, very normal part of the movie and then this whole, like, creatures from another dimension part mm-hmm. of the movie, like I said. And it's it's just cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely a unique film. What did you think of the Cenobites? <laughs> Remind me what those were. <laughs> <laughs> the creatures. We're watching so many the creatures. films. I, they all they all get confusing. No, leave me alone. Oh no, tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Wait, 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 please wait. No time for argument. Adam, you've done this before, right? Many, many times. Man, don't break up. You. Nobody escapes us. He's in, I've seen him, I've seen him. He's alive. Supposing he had escaped us, what has that to do with you? I can leave you here, and you, you can take him back instead of me. Perhaps we prefer you. I want to hear him confess himself. Then, maybe, maybe. We'll tear your soul apart. Oh, the hell creatures? They're called the Cinnabites. Oh. The Cinnabuns. Cinnab- oh, at Cinnabuns, yes. Now I know. Um, What'd you think of them? I thought they were creepy, for sure. Like, the two... Pinhead's iconic. Yeah, Pinhead is freaky. And then the, the female. And then the one with, like, it looks like they have a like a wire on the yep. outside. Those two scared me the most. What about the guy with the chattering teeth? No, that just made me think of our guinea pigs. What did you think about the fat, like, uh, worm guy with the sunglasses on? It looked like it was from Ghostbusters Exactly, or that and, and then the other one that, like, ran on its hands down the hallway. Yeah. Those two were kind of, like... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle it, they villains were too, or something. Like caricature-y. What did you think about the acting? It it was fine. What did you think about the acting? Uh I felt like the wife, mm-hmm. she was pretty good. Like, I think she was good. Yeah. I felt like she gave a great performance. And Frank too. Frank was great. Yeah. Right, you know what? I take this back because I think Frank was great and I think the wife was great. I don't like I didn't like the husband. Very much overacting. Mm-hmm. The daughter was fine too, but I did think uh, that I thought Frank was great. The daughter I thought was not great. I thought she was no. I thought she was just no. She was not good. She was like a basic eighties, um, like okay, we need a girl to put in a horror film, mm-hmm. kind of. Totally, place. and her boyfriend. Oh God! Ooh, just boring. Um. Can we also talk about the fact that they supposedly moved to England and a bunch of people had American accents? It was originally set in England. The studio thought it would be more marketable if it was set in America, but it was shot in England. 
and the friends that came over for dinner, English actors who were dubbed by American actors. What? Why? That's so dumb. I, the whole time I'm like, they live in England. Who are all these Americans? Who, That's weird. You know what? When I wake up every morning, I say, who are all these Americans? <laughs> Let's rate it. That's what we do here. We okay. watch it. We rate it. Okay. You go first. Um, I feel like three is too high. Two and a half is too low. Can I do two <laughs> and three quarters? You can do whatever you want. I'm going to do two and three quarters. Cool. I'm giving this four. Um, Damn. This is third time I've seen it, and I just, I still love it. It was fun watching it again last night, and I'm glad you watched it with me. Me too. You little hellraiser, you. I'm William Castle, and I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. The picture is The Tingler, which I directed. And for the first time in motion picture history, Members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. You will feel some of the physical reactions, the shocking sensations experienced by the actors on the screen. I guarantee that The Tingler has more shocks per minute than my last film, The House on Haunted Hill. But don't be alarmed. You can protect yourself. When you see the picture, you will be told and remember the instruction how you can guard yourself from attack by The Tingler. And now may I show you a few scenes from The Tingler? Scream for your lives! The Tingler is a 1959 horror thriller directed and produced by William Castle and written by Rob White, starring Vincent Price, Judith Evelyn, Daryl Hickman, and Patricia Cutts. It is the story of an obsessed pathologist trying to get to the bottom of a shocking discovery that humans carry a parasitic creature in their spines that feeds off of fear. Only by screaming can the creature be subdued. I thought this was a super fun, campy film. What did you think, Michael? You're correct. Oh, I'm correct? Yes. Of course I'm correct. Tell me your thoughts. What did you think? First of all, Vincent Price is my guy. I love Mm -hmm. him in anything for the most part. I love him as a person. I have his cookbook. I love his radio drama series that he did, which will be featured on our next extra episode. And William Castle has directed a few of my favorite movies, period. So House on Haunted Hill, which is one of my favorites, and 13 Ghosts, the the original of both of those, not the remakes from the 2000s. And he just, they're just fun movies. Campy, fun. Yeah, total campy fun. And it's... (laughs) Totalcampyfun.com Yeah, I mean, Vincent Price, I can't imagine anyone else being the lead in this. Oh, because he's a gentleman sleazeball, (laughs) as he is in almost every role he does. A gentleman sleazeball. Hmm, sounds like someone else I know. Just kidding. As I mentioned before in our first episode, my dad saw this in 1959 as a kid in Detroit, 
And he, I asked him a little more about what it was like, the experience of it. And he said that people were literally jumping out of their seats and screaming. And that happened because several of the seats had these um, buzzers that were installed. And that's something that William Castle would do Mm -hmm. with many of his films. It was like he was this engagement creator, (laughs) you know, not just a film, but you got fun with it, too. So... This one had these um, gimmicky things called perceptos that were built into several of the seats. He had a team of people who went around the country to larger theaters, and they installed these. And as uh, at this certain point in the film, buzzers were going off, and people were jumping out of their seats. Yeah, and they were terrified. <laughs> but it's also the sequence in the film that if you watch it now, the whole screen goes black, and it's mm-hmm. Vincent Price saying. Gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream, scream for your lives. The tingler is loose in this theater, and if you don't scream, it may kill you. Scream, scream, keep screaming, scream for your lives. It's here, it's over here. The tingler has been paralyzed by your screaming. There is no more danger. We will now resume the showing of the movie. It's so stupid now and wonderfully stupid. But imagining what that would be like in the theater back then, you know, it's so fun. It's it's got to be so fun to have seen something like that. And that. And that was something my dad said. He was like... I look back on it now and it seems silly, but at the time it was really scary. And hey, I would love to go, you know, to a theater here and see it. Oh man, with if that they experience, did, yes, I would freak out for sure. Yeah, that would be so fun. Um, so yeah, he. <laughs> one more note about what my dad said. He, um, he you said, and your dad. <laughs> he's the film guy. So he he was saying, yeah, this was a good one, but it wasn't his best. As far as William Castle, he goes, Oh, no. House on Haunted Hill is my dad's favorite. By far. For sure. House on Haunted Hill is so good. 13 Ghosts, Straightjacket, Homicidal, all these movies are so campy, fun, that were made to have gimmicks in the theater when you watched it. The part of the promotion that William Castle paid for was to have with the Tingler you would have the buzzers and the seats. I believe in um, House on Haunted Hill, there was a skeleton that would come out during the movie. Um, 13 Ghosts, you would get these certain glasses that you'd put on that were basically like a, not necessarily, not a 3D, but it would change. It was like a color, plastic Mm. kind of 3D thing that would look different, so. Some of the other ones I was reading, they... They had nurses. Yes, in I remember that hearing the about lobby, that. <laughs> and then hearses outside. I mean, nurses this, and hearses. This guy was the best. Yeah. he just like knew how to make it totally um, wonderful and spooky and fun. You knew what you were going to see when you went to a William Castle movie. I know that I'm not gonna really be freaked out, even though every now and then I think that he can pull off like a good scare, good creepy sequence, but it's all about like a Vincent Price chewing up the scenery or just having like a really weird kind of silly thing happen. 
This is another one that had a lot of jerks, <laughs> like a lot of... Um, oh, in the movie? Yes. Yeah, this is another film where the characters, most of them were not likable. No. Uh, except for maybe the sister. I like the guy who killed his wife. Boyfriend. Oh, oh, that was okay. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of like, oh, okay. Not that they had it coming to them, but man, they just weren't weren't great people. No. I did like the color sequence in this movie. Yeah. It was cool. Simple little thing, but again, I think people ate that up back then. So to explain what it was, the film was done in black and white, and in one scene, we won't, well, we could spoil it. Yeah, this is a spoiler movie. Hopefully you're listening to this and we don't even have to explain the whole thing. Right. Well, in the bathtub, there's blood, and instead of it being black and white, it's red. (laughs) But you know what I thought about today when we were watching it? Because when you find out that it's the husband who is doing that, I just pictured him running around from room to room in the house like, okay, I scared her with this. Now I got to put my breathing apparatus on, fill the bathtub with blood, jump in there, you know, hold my breath. And he had to like make up this death certificate. He went into like all this like work. Yeah. And I just, I just pictured him like running around like this goofy guy, like turning the sink on. How did he get blood to come out? Of the scene, you know, well, like that's the thing. There were so many holes in that. Oh like, yeah, I was but thinking. But we're not. I don't want it explained. Who cares? Uh, you go with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was just funny. I had a little laugh in my head thinking about it. <laughs> How did he get that medicine cabinet to swing open with a desk? I thought the it? same thing too. And then I was like, oh, this guy. Because first I thought it was um, Vincent Price doing it. Yeah. But it wasn't. I wanted to get at the relationship between he and his wife. Me too. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's that was talk about wild. it. What the hell was up with them? But Why that are they is, together? That is, that is Vincent Price in William Castle movies. Think of House on Haunted Hill. Mm, I mean, it just is confusing. Why I, I don't. That's one thing that I wanted explained a little more. And then, like when she. Tries to kill him. <laughs> well, she he well they because like, of what he did too. I mean, I know. Just like they hate each other. Just get it over with. Divorce. Be. It was gone. a different time. It wasn't. I, you couldn't do that back then. I will say, her clothes yes. were absolutely fabulous. So good. I wanted that gold lame dress. Like I want it. Uh, Vincent Price totally trips out on LSD and like freaks out. Hmm. Yes. That's worth it. Just just that alone is worth watching the movie. He didn't actually take it, did he? No. I'm just curious. Sometimes people get drunk in movies. Um, LSD is a drug. It's not a drink. So. I understand, but to get a real performance, that's what I mean. <laughs> Sometimes people get drunk in movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be, like, real in character. Do you know what I mean? That's what I do every time we record a podcast. <laughs> hey, did you know he knew Bella Lugosi? Who? William Castle. Well, he was a director back in the 50s and 60s, probably. No, he, like, wrote a book about him. Okay. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what are you talking about? Look, here's the thing. Here, let me tell you about this movie. He knew. knew. This movie's dumb. This movie's fun. 
And if you like uh, if you like Vincent Price, you should watch it. If you like William Castle, you should watch it. If you haven't seen any William Castle movies until this movie, don't judge this as the be all Castle. Watch House on Haunted Hill. I have a question. Okay, answer. Do you know how they made the Tingler move? Because <laughs> it looked like I'm pretty sure it's string. It looked like a lobster uh, slash pincher bug. Anyways, this movie's fun. I'm gonna give it. I'm giving it a three. Does I'm, it deserve three stars? Probably not. But there's so much about all of this that I love that it's gonna be three for me. I am going to agree with you. Okay. I'm giving it a three. Good. I, I feel like it's middle of the road, fun, lovely, silly, and that's it. I liked it. I mean, going from like Hellraiser to this, it's it's a palate cleanser. When the screen screams, you'll scream too. If you value your life. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto, changeo, and now he is me. Hocus, pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is free. We're dead. Josephine Levine presents Magic, a terrifying love story, starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith, rated R. Corky Wither, a successful magician, has a breakdown and heads back to his roots and his hometown to escape everything. But did he bring along with him exactly what he needed to escape? Jill, this film is stacked with a great cast, writer, and director, but did the final results deliver a worthy product? No. Ooh. <laughs> Talk to me. Um, I thought it was pretty bad. I did not like it. Like, kind I kind of agree. I wanted to because Anthony Hopkins is fabulous. Like, everyone, the whole cast, like you said, is great. Not just the cast, the writer and director. Yeah, everything. Like, I don't know what happened with this, but something did not work. I think I know, for me, you're trying to pull off this story would have worked in the 1950s, 1940s, and it did work in the 1950s, 1940s, because there are movies of vaudeville actors who have dummies that either are alive or they're living vicariously through their dummies. It mm. just felt dated for 1978. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, the fact that every time he brought out his dummy, everybody's laughing and like, oh, my God, he's a genius. And it's like, nope, he's it's weird. And yeah, he's got issues. creepy and weird and there were things that didn't make sense um I had a lot of questions <sighs> he was just a creepy dude like a, mm-hmm. lots of unlikableness happening there absolutely I thought it was interesting seeing Anthony Hopkins especially when you're coming from a horror a horror perspective you're looking at him as Hannibal Lecter right Oh, but, totally. You know, here he's very boyish. His and just some of the the way that he was directed too. 
some of the moments where he has outbursts, I understand that, like, whatever he's dealing with mentally is causing him to do mm-hmm. that. But it just felt like like that boyishness. It felt like a kid. And right. maybe that was the point, but it came across as, like, really awful. But it also made me feel like every time he acted like that, everybody around him should be like, oh, yeah, you're not all right. And we should not be doing business with you or falling in love with you or, you know. Right. There are red flags, let alone the fact that he has to bring bring out a dummy every time. Yeah. And every time he did that, people just lost it. He's so great. He's so talented. I tried to put myself in that kind of situation. And if I was with somebody who kept bringing out a dummy to talk to me, yeah. Every time we were having a real discussion and I was feeling weird about something. Yeah. That's not natural. No. Yeah. If you, like, we wouldn't have gotten very far, let alone like he's, they slept together. And I'm like, lady, are you serious? Like, right. no, I don't think so. Let's, and I, I know they had a history of right. knowing each other a long time, but still, it was very odd. I think. I think the dummy's pretty creepy. Oh my god! The fact that he looks like Anthony, yeah, and I, or Corky, and I, I, I think that works. I think that the fact that it looks so much like him, mm-hmm. and it's this almost like alternate personality. I think that works. What's weird to me is you have Anthony Hopkins, Burgess Meredith, and Margaret, three pretty big actors, right. You have Richard Attenborough, who directed Gandhi, who was in The Great Escape, Jurassic Park, directed, like, Academy Award winner. And then William Goldman, the writer who wrote The Princess Bride, Misery, uh, well, wrote the film adaptation of it, Mm. wrote All the President's Men, like, all these amazing, amazing pedigree for this movie. I wonder if we are seeing this too late wonder if it's just too dated. Yeah. Um, I had I had some major issues with Anne Margaret. Yeah, for sure. I, I I guess Anne Margaret and Anthony Hopkins are both were both their characters are weird, but I felt like their performances, the performance for Anne Margaret was so weird to me. Yeah, it was strange. She was like erratic. Yeah. He was too, though. He so. was too, but like I felt like it made sense because he was obviously somebody who had a mental issue. Of course, her husband and Margaret's uh, husband was ridiculous. Another terrible relationship, mm-hmm. which I guess if you are in a terrible relationship, it can be a horror film. So yeah. that is true. But it another weird pairing, and, and then when... Um, his agent comes to mm-hmm. confront him. I'm like, why Why would you come out in the middle of the night? You're concerned about this person who you think is having breaks, like psychosis. And I felt that scene was, that scene kind of worked. Yeah, but like, why would he go on his, like, right. I don't know. Just a guy a like that it, doesn't just drive out in the middle of the woods. And right, in his yeah. Rolls Royce yeah. and just like, confront his client. No, he doesn't do that. 
I feel like the dummy uh, was the most compelling part of this movie. Because every time he showed up, I was like, what the f*** is happening right now? (laughs) It's creepy. Right. And so it's like, okay, you have my attention now. Those scenes of the dead dummy, like just lifeless dummy just sitting there. Yeah. Worked for me because mm-hmm. because it's so creepy in the scene where they're having sex and the, it cuts to the dummy like just sitting in the other room. Yes. I had like I started to notice he was not moving his lips as much like when Sometimes, he was talking to it. Right. So I was like, how much of it is that it's him, and then how much of it is mm-hmm. that it's possessed on its own? Well, yeah, and even the fact of how the movie opens. And it's him retelling, because I guess he has this mentor that he's retelling his, like, audition scene to. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a packed house in the same bar. And they reference, like, oh, the first time he played here, nobody liked him. And I was like, okay, so is everything else now him thinking? Like, a, mm. is everything else now a false like a delusion? A delusion, yeah. There's, Yeah, it could be that. I, which I don't think is, but, like, why why is anybody interested in this act? <laughs> it was still the 70s. It's a magic act. Yeah. He throws in the dummy. I don't think it's that unbelievable that I know. something like that would be. You've got variety shows and that stuff still going on. Yeah. So, but I did wonder... Did, do you think he killed his mentor? And was there some, like, magical thing? Did I don't he, know. Like, that's what I want to know. Was this dummy always like that? Or... I have seen movies where, you know, the dummy is alive and the dummy is controlling everything. This, I, I feel like this is, it's Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, it, the dummy is not alive. He's controlling everything. But... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I also started thinking <laughs> if they remade this, they could do it about like a contestant on America's Got Talent or something. Because that's the only place where you see people having this kind of act anymore. Yeah. I feel the whole premise of this movie is dated. Yeah. And that's why it didn't work for me. Could you have made this, a, take away the dummy, take away the magic act. Just this guy coming back to his hometown, meeting the girl that he liked, you know, and just having a mental issue would have worked, maybe. He had to be famous, though. He had to be famous, but God, he's a he's a ventriloquist magician, (laughs) and that's it's like that's the thing that's like I can't. Dude, that's sexy. What do you mean? I just feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. And maybe not everything works forever. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. maybe if I saw this movie 20 years ago, it would have been really scary. Or maybe when I saw this 40 years ago, when it came out, it would have worked. But now it's dated and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah, totally. And it, But it doesn't even, it's not even that it doesn't work and it's campy. It just doesn't Yeah, work. it's just, it, take, <laughs> it took forever to kind of get going and... There's there is elements of it that I enjoyed and but I didn't like anybody in this again. I didn't mm-hmm. I just I didn't care about anybody. Right. Kind of I kind of liked Burgess Meredith because he's always who he is and he was classic yeah. himself, yeah. you know. 
but even the direction wasn't that interesting. I felt like it could have gone darker. Darker uh, than killing a man with a dummy? That was pr- that was pretty good. <laughs> but it was also funny, you know? And it's like you're la- I-, I was laughing at that. I don't think it was originally created to get a laugh out of. No. You know, but the fact that Burgess Meredith is being bludgeoned to death by a lookalike Anthony Hopkins dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the saving grace for this is the dummy is creepy enough that it gave some legitimately creepy sequences. And totally that kind of had me guessing now and then, is this real? Is he yeah. alive or is it Anthony talking? And like you said, was did we see Anthony's neck move and mouth move, you right. know, when he was talking or not? And I think that was kind of cool, but I feel like it could have gone a little kind of further with that and mm-hmm. made it a little more definitive. Yeah, but totally. I don't know, kind of a wet blanket. I agree. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it two. I'm going to give it a one and a half. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, that's that. That's that. No magic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who? Who? Ah, you know what that sound means. This episode has come to an end. But don't worry, because we're watching movies all month long. And we'll have our next episode out in a few days. Until then... You can follow us on Instagram at Townhouse of Terror Pod. And send us your thoughts in an email at townhouseofterrorpod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Michael. And this is Jill. And this is Townhouse, Townhouse of, of Terror. Terror.